Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He's coming very soon. We'll be talking to Larry Elder. Love Larry Elder. I don't know that I've ever interviewed him before. I've been a fan of his forever. I've always liked his writing for more than 20 years. You can find his stuff sometimes in the Lowell Sun, as a matter of fact. Consider a um, subscription. We'll talk to Larry Elder about his new movie, Uncle Tom. But first, I never got to the Nick Cannon stuff, and I'm I'm new to all this. I, I kind of remember that Nick Cannon is a guy who was dating Mariah Carey or maybe was married to her. I'm missing those files. I didn't live that life when of those years when Mariah had her own show and things. And, um, yeah, that, that's, that's not really my, my thing. I like two of her songs, I think. But So I didn't know anything about this guy. But he's he's lost some of his gigs now for being an anti-Semite and uh, being anti-white, I guess. Just saying some racist stuff. And you know, I, I don't, I, I don't love people getting getting fired for stuff. I don't. I certainly understand the, that the mainstream streaming of anti semitic anti semitic remarks, and you've seen more and more of it. And I do think it's on the rise. I think, I think that unfortunately, in certain corners, that uh, the vilification of Jewish people is coming back into vogue. The more. And it's because it's it's not called out. You know, there's 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 so many hate crimes in, in the streets of of New York. It, just people decking and beating the crap out of uh, Jewish people in Jewish communities. And it's not. It's certainly Bill De Blasio. It is not on his front burner. But it's just not called out. You don't see it on most of the mainstream news channels. Uh, brought up as a thing. Where in other communities, had it been happening like this, you would certainly hear it brought up as a thing. But there are reasons for that, I guess. I just do, I do feel, I think the Barry Weiss thing is part of it. I feel the creeping clouds of intolerance, unfortunately, making their way over the, the Jewish community. And I hope it's snuffed out, and I hope that people can educate themselves on this stuff. 
because you cannot... I heard there's only 13 million Jewish people in the world. Is that true? And if 6 million were killed in the Holocaust, I mean, that's it. This is the 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 industry that was the annihilation of the Jewish population in the 1940s under the Nazis is a horrific part of our human history. And I forgot who was saying it. You know, I don't have this... There are people alive who are in those camps and who are still walking around who remember their experiences there. And, uh, you know, you can't... I'm not able to step into even beginning to understand what that must have been like, what the, 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 the clinical destruction of your family in front of you, like they were just... You know, like it was a, a, a slaughterhouse. I can't imagine what that's like. I can't imagine suddenly just having all of your family just deleted. And and what any of that stuff, the, the fear they must have felt. But I do believe that if you were, if you're, if you're a somebody, if you're a Jewish person right now, that you would certainly have uh, some red flags going up when things aren't called out. Things are called out. And I'm not part of, um, I'm not genetically, I guess, part of um, a a um, line of people who have recently been uh, genocided or um, or persecuted or you know mass murdered whatsoever. I'm English and German essentially, so they're on the the Germans. Well, you know, but uh, my people had come. Doesn't really matter. I don't know what I am. I'm 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 white, and I have not great teeth, and I don't I don't know. Okay, so uh, I, I'm when I say I have not great teeth, I just say I'm genetically not great. I don't know what I am, but there you go. You can look it up. I'm sure it's somewhere. I'll get one of those things. Well, actually, there's a book. I think I'll get one of those things and find out. I'm just that. Who do you want to find out? By the way, what you are? I never understand. Like, what does it matter? What if I find out? Like, I'm. I'm, you know, f- f- Scottish and you know, Ukrainian too, and you know, and Southeast Asian, and or, or you know, um, I have relatives in Saharan, uh, Sub-Saharan South Africa, and like, who cares? What does that leave? What does it mean? Is it going to bring me fulfillment that I can find? Like a, I can point to a line, seventeen um, degrees of separation from me to Napoleon or something. What does that do? I wouldn't even know what, what the, I mean, I guess that would, if I was 20 years younger and unmarried, maybe that would be good for a 20 minute date or a five minute date or something. I don't know what that does. I don't know. I don't know. Generally, the people who are really, really proud of their, um, the, their genealogy, uh, I, I find to be f- fairly boring generally, but I do like that show with, um, Skip Gates where they find, uh, where they find everybody's background and they go in the town hall records and i think that's a really good show the one that was on channel two i forgot what it's called that's the one that affleck was on and they found out that he was related to slave owners or something and he wanted them to scrub the uh, the episode i think he, they might have it's just too good affleck was happy to, to to preach to everybody hang on affleck skip gates or maybe it was damon apologies oh okay okay Gates has apologized for not being more transparent in handling a controversial episode of the series, Finding Your Roots. This is 2015. 
Um, Harper Professor Henry Louis Gates has apologized after PBS found he violated their editorial standards. Gates co-produces and hosts the genealogy show Finding Your Roots. Controversy centered on an episode about the family history of star Ben Affleck. Henry Louis Gates, so here's the transcript, says, Well, let's see what we found on your mom's side of the family. We wanted to see more or we could have Ben Affleck about the roots of his family's interest. Ben Affleck says, that's my grandfather, grandmother Liz. She was quite a lady. She was smart. Uh, she went to college, which was unusual for women in that era. Um, so as it turns out, Affleck asked the program not to include the fact that one of his ancestors owned slaves, and the information did not air. PBS says it's now delaying the airing of new episodes until it can improve editorial oversight. So there you go. <laughs> How beautiful is that? <laughs> Couldn't happen to a better guy. Um, so where were we? Oh, yeah, I'm going to play this. Speaking of uh, genealogy, this is the Nick Cannon. This explains uh, white people and how they became so dastardly and how we are all the uh, the flaming racists that we are right now. Let's go to what it really is then. When we talk about the power of melanated people, when we talk mm -hmm. about who we really are as guys and, and understanding right. that our melanin <laughs> is so power and it connects us in a way that the reason why they fear... Wouldn't you hate... Imagine going to a bar, probably a dive bar, and you sit next to this guy, and six words in, he's talking about melanated people, and you're like, Jesus... Man, there's 43 seats at this bar, and I'm talking there. This guy who probably gives this speech 80 times a day, but this Nick Cannon does have a good co-host. His his second chair there, man, he's a booster for everything he says. Mm -hmm, yep, absolutely. Go right ahead. They're black. The reason why they fear is because they the lack that they have of it. So then, when you see what you know, Doctor uh, Francis C. Wellesley talked about is that fear in that 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 uh, just genetic that, annihilation that deficiency. Mm Hey, second chair, you like the bridge too far, I think. Wait for Nick to uh, to work his way there. Uh, mm -hmm. When you have a person that has ha has the lack of pigment, the right. lack of melanin, right. that they know that they will be that's me, I think annihilated. So therefore, however they got the power, they 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 have the lack of compassion. Mm -hmm. That mel melanin comes with compassion. Melanin comes with soul. That mm -hmm. we call it. We call it soul. We <laughs> but they put. But all the middle-class white people from Wellesley put up Black Lives Matter yard signs up. What do you mean? They did everything you told them to do. Soul brothers and sisters, that's the melanin that connects us. Right. So the people that don't have it have are, are a little, and I'm, I'm going to say this carefully. <laughs> are a, He's going to be careful about what he says. A little less. And, and, and where the term actually comes from, because I'm bringing it all the way back around okay. to, to Minister Farrakhan, to where they may not have the compassion or the, the when they were sent to the mountains of Caucasus. Well done. All right, we're going on a trip, everybody. When they, when they didn't have the power of the sun, that was that the sun then started to deteriorate mm -hmm. them. So then they're acting out of fear. They're acting out of low self-esteem. They're mm. acting out of a, a deficiency. Mm -hmm. So therefore, the only way that they can act is evil. Ooh, that's damning. Just a trip to the mountains. Got a sunburn because we're not melanated and we're salty about it. And so we go around pushing people around. I get it. Maybe there's something true. I'm not, I, I, don't, I can't refute anything that Ken is saying. I don't know that this is untrue. The only way they can, they, they have to rob, steal, rape, kill, and... Hey. 
Well, no, that's necessarily true. I mean, some do, I guess. There are a lot of white people in prison. Fight or flight, okay. In in order to survive. Exactly. So then these people... Like the second chair tries to crystallize his thoughts for him. Fight or flight, exactly. People who didn't have what we had, and when I say we, I speak of the Mm -hmm. melanated people. (laughs) They had to be savages. Hey! Hey, that's on the do not say list, I think. That is not nice. They had to be barbaric. They Mm -hmm. had, because they're in these Nordic mountains, they're in these rough uh, torrential environments, mm. so they, they're acting as animals. Hey, that's the second one. You're not allowed to, the, in the rule book, you're not allowed to call people savages and animals. Right. So they're the ones that are actually closer to animals. They're the ones that are actually <laughs> the true savages. I like animals, by the way. I'm fine with being closer to animals. Savages. And then they built up such this, this, I don't want to say warrior, but they built up such this 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 conquering mm-hmm. uh, barbaric mentality. You know what? At least he's got a worldview. You know, the white people are savages, and they're closer to animals. I'm not offended by any of those contentions, and or the trip to the Caucasus. As a um, as a white person, I don't know. Maybe it's true, but I'm certainly not offended by it. I don't I don't care about the white people. Um. You know, I'm not the protector of the, the the race. I don't know. I wouldn't hang out with anybody who was like who, like who goes and talks about like their color. Like, you know, as a white person, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I, I I think that um, it's an interesting radio show, is it not? You know, I don't know. I it's, obviously the guys. Um, you know, he, I think he might have fallen in with the wrong crowd. Huh? The Farrakhan people tend to be a bit odd. But, so, anyway, I guess he's half canceled, but half not canceled. I don't know that he should be canceled uh, for that, anyway. You know, as the victim, I guess, of that kind of thing. I don't really care. What else did I have? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we go to Larry Elder, the Dan Snyder thing. So, Dan Snyder's the guy who owns the... What does he own? Dan Snyder owns the Redskins. And he's uh, in the process of changing the name of the Redskins. It uh, he may have bigger problems now because the Washington Post has uh, fired a torpedo and it's uh, heading directly at Dan Snyder. He could be done in DUN very soon. So the Post runs this uh, story. It'll be out. I'm sure everybody will be talking about it tomorrow morning. From dream job to nightmare, more than a dozen women allege sexual harassment and verbal abuse by former team employees at Redskins Park. So the post, a few months after Emily Applegate started working for the Washington Redskins in 2014, she settled into a daily routine. She would meet a female co-worker in the bathroom during their lunch breaks, she said, to commiserate and cry about the frequent sexual harassment and verbal abuse they endured. They, they cried about the former chief operating officer's exple, expletive-laced tirades, Applegate said, when she called him, uh, when she recalled him calling her a f, f- blank blank oh calling her effing stupid and then requesting she wear a tight dress for a meeting with clients so um so the men in the room would have something to look at that's the quote they cried about a wealthy sweet uh, sweet holder who grabbed her friend's backside during a game i can see this applegate said in the in the indifference the team's top sales executive displayed when she complained so I have been, this is 15 years ago, but I have been in situations with some some 
go-getter media sales uh, folks have been around, and I would say it was not uh, it was not a place where uh, harassment was um, was condemned. It was a the name of the game, and certainly I was not part of this department. This is not my thing, or whatever. But it was. Um, I would just say that a lot of times that the, that the women were absolutely objectified, absolutely, and there were certain expectations, and yes. But, so most of all, Oppigate said they cried about the realization their dream job of working in the NFL came with what they characterized as relentless sexual harassment and verbal abuse that was ignored, and in some cases condoned by top-team executives. She's one of 15 former Redskins employees who told the Washington Post they were sexually harassed during their time at the club. The other 14 women spoke on the condition of anonymity, citing a fear of litigation as some signed non-disclosure agreements with the team that threaten legal uh, retribution if they speak negatively about the club. Team declined a request from the Post. You know, let me see if there's anything else in the Post of the allegations. Larry Michael, the top... The Post presented detailed allegations about the findings to the club. Three team employees accused of improper behavior. Abruptly departed, including Larry Michael, the club's longtime radio voice, and Alex Santos, the team's director of pro personnel. In a statement, yada yada, the post says they're going to do an internal review. Washington Redskins football team, Washington Redskins football team, takes issues of employee conduct seriously. What? We're back to the name. Well, we do not speak to specifically. They span most of Steiner's tenure as owner and fall into two categories, unwelcome overtures of or comments of sexual nature and exhortations to wear revealing clothing and flirt with clients to close sales deals. That is something that absolutely happens. Absolutely. Among the men accused of harassment and verbal abuse are three former members of Snyder's inner circle with two long times. Uh, okay, so it's... So there you go. She was harassed by Santos. Uh, Nora Princiati, a reporter from the Ringer, who formerly covered the team, also said in an interview, interview she was harassed by Santos. Santos was fired this past week. Uh, hey, Richard Mann, assistant director of Pro Personnel, who in one text message obtained by the Post told a female employee he and his colleagues debated whether her breast had been surgically enhanced. And another text message told another female employee to expect an, quote, inappropriate hug and don't worry that will well, will be a stapler in my pocket, nothing else, end quote. Sounds like a charming guy. Dennis Green, former president of business, um, implored female staff, sales staff to wear low-cut blouses, tight skirts, and flirt with wealthy sweet holders, according to five former employees, including Applegate. Green's 17-year-old career, uh, he had sold access. Oh, see, Green's 17-year career with the club ended in 2018 amid a scandal over the revelation that he had sold access to Redskins cheerleaders, including attendance at a bikini calendar photo shoot in Costa Rica, as part of a premium suite package of sales. How, how sales guy is that? Oh, man. Uh, former, okay. For Mitch Gerson, former chief operating officer who Applegate said routinely berated her for trivial problems such as printer malfunctions while also complimenting her body. Two other former female employees supported Applegate's account of her sexual harassment. So, Mark, she's now 31. Yeah, like I said, you know, I come from, I come from, when you, so I worked in radio and we were affiliated with uh, all the big sports teams in town in Boston. And so when you're in that 
when you're in sales and you're that close to superstars and other very rich and influential people, people in young men and young women, you know, gravitate towards those jobs because because they're glamorous. You get to go on these outings and sales trips and and all sorts of different events with clients, etc. To beautiful sparkly events and red carpets and and things like that. And there's always well, they're all well, I don't know what, what's happening anymore, but there's always drinking. There was always drinking. There's always things going around and uh, and. Uh, I definitely think that 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 uh, that that the sales girls were encouraged to to be flirtatious and to and to and I've I mean this is nothing new and I'm, I'm not going to name names or do anything and I don't want to hit anybody I did I did I was in the room for a conversation once where uh, where um, they were t- to um, a guy in sales was talking excitedly to another manager saying. That they were happy they were bringing some new girls in for the sales team, and it would be excellent because they knew that these girls would have sex, and um, and you know they were going to be employees, you know, working for. So I mean, there's something very uh, human trafficky about that whole thing, and you don't. I mean, to that kind of piggishness of somebody, you know, it's not a. It's not a great world for women. It's it's not. And these guys, these pigs. I hope I hope they take every one of these pigs down for the Redskins, and uh, and sue the hell out of the team. And that uh, that that men are on are kept on notice because to treat these women just like it, like, like their workplace is a meat market. That's disgusting, and it is. Um, it, it really just brings out the the. It just it defines a, a men. As just uh, these uh, animals, and you know we're supposed to be supportive and protective even of women. And when you break that trust and just decide to, you know, help yourself using whatever uh, you know, power advantage you have, it's pretty pretty damn disgusting. So good luck to uh, Miss Applegate here taking these guys down. I'm sure the Washington Post absolutely delighted in their uh, in their uh, opportunity. To take Dan Snyder down. Remember, he's the guy who held out for years about uh, changing the name Redskins. I also think that young men don't understand. Once you get older, and especially if you have daughters and things like that, when you just don't want anybody to hurt your kids, then you look at this these uh, this piggish behave, behavior, this boorish behavior, and you just think, man, I just wish somebody would slap the hell out of these uh, predators. So that is what that is. That'll be huge tomorrow. You may have heard it here first. Okay, so I think we will head to the great Larry Elder. Check out LarryElder.com. This guy, man, he comes out at, at a thousand miles per hour. He is um, <laughs> he is a force of nature. Larry Elder. Most people are completely oblivious to the history of the Democratic Party. The party of slavery. The history of the Democratic Party. Jim Crow laws. They're erasing all of the history of this country. They want to cover up history. The real history, not the revisionist history. If you are educated... Black people have been taught a narrative that has been created. You're actually miseducated. And that's when I realized I've been lied to. I had been misled. It unraveled everything that I knew to be true. So that is... 
one of the trailers of the new uh, movie. It's been out just for a few weeks now called Uncle Tom, an oral history of the American black conservative. It is brought to us by Larry Elder. Um, Larry Elder obviously has a daily radio show that's on video as well. He's a great columnist, which you can you can find him in the uh, Lowell Sun very often. And um, he's uh, he is probably the most courageous <clears throat> voice um, out there today. And uh, Larry, thanks so much for making the time. It is my pleasure, Tom. Now, how am I supposed to live up to that to that introduction? <laughs> <laughs> I was just listening to just uh, some of your your Twitter feed is so good because it's got interactions with you with callers and callers trying to like work around or or um, you know. W- find uh, ends to beat you in arguments and man you go straight at people and it's i can imagine millennials saying oh my god is this guy allowed to say that what? <laughs> well, well tom it's, it's just common sense and logic I, I don't as far as i'm concerned i'm not saying anything revolutionary or, or astonishing but i guess that's how people react and that's why i've done this film uh it's all about people like myself candace owens herman cain uh alan west uh, Bob Woodson and many others who are known and unknown who are black conservatives mm-hmm. and about the pushback uh, pushback is too mild about the crap that we get simply for suggesting maybe just maybe we ought not be in the party of open borders the party that allows illegal aliens to come in and unskilled ones anyway according to studies by a Harvard economist uh, they compete for jobs that would otherwise be held by unskilled black and brown workers and puts down with pressure on their wages so why are we in the party uh, that wants uh, that wants porous borders and that's talking about a pathway to citizenship. Maybe just maybe we ought not be in the party where Larry Ellis High School, only 3% of kids can do math at my former high school at grade level, and the high school is a crip school. Uh, I know that uh, because Tom um, Ice-T went to my high school years after I did and chose it because he wanted to go to a crip school. <laughs> now, you're living within a geographical radius of Crenshaw High School, the, the high school, by the way, that was featured in Boys in the Hood, and you are you have a son or a daughter just graduating from middle school and your son or daughter is a really good student and you have inculcated a, a, a desire and enthusiasm for education. And, uh, and now you are mandated to send your kids to a school where only 3% of kids can do math at grade level and is a crip school. And the democratic party says too bad because they're in bed with the teachers union and the Republican party wants to give this parent a choice. What are we talking about here? And so we, we raise these issues, and rather than this sparking what you would think or would hope would be a healthful, healthy conversation in the black community about which is the best way forward, we're shut down. We're called Uncle Tom. We're dismissed. We're marginalized. There is a very popular or was a very popular black magazine for decades called Ebony Magazine. Yep. It's still in existence, but it no longer has the clout. It's been sold. But at one time, every black family had it on its coffee table in every home. I'm telling you. And every year they would have a feature called the 100 Most Influential Black Americans. And every year you will not find Clarence Thomas. You will not find Thomas Sowell. You will not find Walter Williams. Now, Clarence Thomas is only one of nine members of the Supreme Court. And yet he's not even in Ebony Magazine as one of the most influential black Americans. Tom Sowell has written, what, 56, 57 books. And David Mamet, the playwright, says Tom Sowell is partially why he stopped being a brain-dead liberal, his term, not mine. And that Tom, Tom Sold is America's, quote, greatest contemporary philosopher, close quote. Yet because they're shut out from the black media, most people don't even know who the hell he is. And Walter Williams, also an economist, to my knowledge, he's the only black economist who ever 
chair an economic department of a non-black college. And yet most black people don't even know who he is because they're being shut out by the black media. And when they ever appear and say anything, they're called Uncle Tom, they're dismissed. You can't listen to them because they're against their own people. How, how idiotic is this? And the movie talks about people like this. And I think it shows people who don't like them, however you feel about their views, they care. Somebody once said, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, you can tell all these people have been taking all this abuse, not because they're in it for the money, but because they care. You know, I was just watching um, um, Steve Harvey talk about recounts when he went to Trump Tower in to talk about some housing items with uh, Donald Trump and then Ben Carson. And Steve Harvey, I think he's a good liberal, but he was destroyed on social media. And they called him those names, every name that you can call the slur for right. even talking to Trump. When did this, when did being seen near or around conservatism at all become such a slur? That's a good question. I think it took on a, a heightened dimension because of Donald Trump, but I think it's always been there. You remember that famous time that uh, Sammy Davis Jr. hugged Richard Nixon uh, on stage uh, when Nixon was running for office? I think he was running for re-election, uh, and Sammy Davis Jr. got hammered. Uh, all because he went on the stage and hugged a, 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 a Republican, a Republican who was, wasn't particularly popular in the black community. So therefore, that made um, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. persona not granted for, for a while. Look, the Democrats have trained black people uh, to be angry, to be incessantly in search of racism, real or, uh, un- or, or, or imagined, because they need black people to be angry. How else do you explain how to get 95 percent of, of, of people to pull the lever for one party unless they have yeah. characterized the opposite party as racist and our party as angelic. And one of the things that we do, as you know, Tom, in the movie, is we take on the history of both parties. And most people don't even realize that one of the founding principles of the Democratic Party was, was to preserve slavery, and the founding principle of the Republican Party was to stop its spread and ultimately to end it. Right. And many black people are, are completely unaware that uh, Democrats founded the KKK. I didn't say the Democratic Party. I said Democrats. I said that, by, by the way, Tom, on TV once. <laughs> and uh, I, I got fact-checked, and the fact-checker said, Elder said the Democratic Party founded the KKK. And we found out that Democrats did, but the party didn't. I didn't say the party. Right. Oh. They changed what and then fact-check what I didn't say. Yeah, and most blacks are unaware that the Democrats opposed the 13th, the 14th, the 15th Amendment. And... Um, one might say, okay, that was a long time ago. What have you done for me lately? Well, it turns out that a, uh, as a Republicans at a higher percentage of their party voted more for the Civil Rights Act of 64 than Democrats did. 80% of Republicans in the House and the Senate did. Only 60%, 80% of Republicans right. did in the House. Well, Larry, only 60% percent go, of Democrats did. Let's go back to that. You know, you talked about Sammy Davis Jr. And even being seen with Richard Nixon being considered a, a, an unforgivable thing. Sammy Davis Jr., in a fairly high-profile way, was humiliated by President Kennedy, who President Kennedy, by the way, voted against one of the civil rights bills as a senator. And, and mm-hmm. he was snubbed on his, what, for his, on Sammy Davis's wedding or something? Well, well, what happened is that Sammy Davis was a tireless campaigner for Kennedy in 1960, even postponed his wedding to a white actress because... Uh, the fear that it would alienate some Southern voters who otherwise might vote for Kennedy. So Sammy Davis Jr. postpones the wedding. Kennedy wins. He gets married. And Kennedy disinvites him, not just from performing, which he had been invited to do, but from attending the inaugural. Oh, what a friend. Jesus. Yeah. So in the movie, um, Larry, the Uncle Tom movie, 
there's a scene where Walter Williams um, says that the illegitimacy rate now, so, um, you know, kids without intact, sorry, um, parents, parental situations, um, is a problem now more than it was in 1915. So I think this is oh, yeah. be a surprise to a lot of people who assume that this has always been a thing. Well, um, if you look at census reports, and Tom Saul and Walter Williams have both done a lot of work on this, you'll find cities in 1890, 1900, uh, Chicago, where a black kid was slightly more likely to be born to a nuclear intact family than a white kid. As recently as 1965, only, and I'm putting that in quotes because that's also high, but only 25% of black kids were born outside the wedlock. Fast forward, now that number is 70% according to the CDC. Now, you can't tell me that America is more racist now than it was in 1965, so that can't explain it. What does explain it, in my opinion, is the welfare state. What we've done is incentivize women to marry the government, and we've allowed men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. And it's not just affecting the black community. 25% of white kids are now born outside of wedlock. Right, so they nearly can't claim of, racism. Nearly half of all Hispanic kids are. So it's it's the it's the number one domestic problem facing this country. And forget about elder Tom. Obama said a kid raised by a dad is five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, twenty times more likely to end up in jail. Now the only question we ought to be debating is why do we have this proliferation of kids uh, being raised outside of wedlock? And you can't assign that to institutional racism or systemic racism or structural racism or the new one that Beto O'Rourke gave us, foundational racism. <laughs> well, what is it then, Larry? I mean, I've heard a lot of people, white middle class people, and it's a town that I live in right now, would say that we've, through mass incarceration, we've taken the fathers out of the neighborhoods, among other things. Well, the, the kind of fathers who are behind bars are not the kind of fathers who'd be working at, uh, at Apple Computer uh, as a software programmer. <laughs> um, most of the people behind bars have done something to other people. There are maybe 10, 15 percent of the people who are behind bars having dealt drugs, uh, and usually drugs uh, attended with violence. But most of the people who are in prison are in prison because they hurt somebody, usually somebody of their same race. Uh, it is just not true. And... Uh, um, What's going on, as I said, we have financially rewarded people uh, for slovenly behavior. If you look at the spending uh, that began in the 1960s under the so-called war on poverty, and you look at the trend line, look at the trend line of kids being born outside of wedlock, and they parallel each other. That's what we've done. And 50, at 50 years after the war on poverty, the National Review did a, de- dedicated a whole issue to uh, its downside, uh, and most of the people there felt that we need to rethink welfare, and we're creating perverse incentives. There was a, there was a study done, uh, survey done, that was published in the LA Times in 1986, where poor people were asked, do you think welfare is a crutch that makes you dependent, or do you think it's a stepping stone to make you independent? More said a crutch than said it was a stepping stone. The same question was revisited a few years ago by the LA Times, and the numbers calling it a crutch, and the number calling it a stepping stone were identical. Wow. So my point is, even poor people are confused and conflicted about about welfare and what it does to poor people. Do you think that that people in the black community, and especially the poor communities, do they do the young people believe that they have any shot at all? Do, do they? I mean, you see the American dream, and I see the American dream. You've obviously been a huge success, so you saw as a young person, I can go out and bust my rear end, and I can make it happen here. Is, does that not exist widespread in the, in the community? 
I just got a letter from somebody who saw Uncle Tom, and he is a uh, volunteer uh, counselor for uh, inmates. And he said every one of his counselees are black. And he happens to be white. He's a psychologist. And he said every single one of them sincerely to their bones believe that this white psychologist got where he is because he's white. Huh. He said, I tried to tell him because I worked hard. I did this. I did this. Now, keep in mind, these are these are felons. So maybe they have a, a, a more contorted view of, of the world than non-felons do. But this kind of defeatist attitude is prevalent in the black community. And, and look at the behavior. I've seen graphs of how much time is spent studying black kids, uh, Hispanic kids, white kids, Asian kids. And it's night and day when black kids are compared to whites and compared to Asians. Uh, even Hispanics study more uh, per night than black kids do. Now, if you truly believe in your future, why the hell aren't you studying? Well, why? Why? I mean, is that because there, that there's no dad in, in the house? To... That's right. That's right. There, there, you need someone, someone to tell you when to do your homework and someone to put you to bed on time. Walter Williams did not grow up with a father. His parents died when he was uh, very, very early. He grew up with relatives. Um, Walter Williams also had a, had a difficult life. Uh, it's not a death sentence. My father does not know who his biological father is. He left home when he was 13 years old. A black boy, Jim Crow South, at the beginning of the Great Depression. The man Jesus. was born in 1915. And my father picked himself up, did the best he could, became a military uh, staff sergeant in the Marines, and could not get a job as a cook when he got out. Ended up working two full-time jobs as a janitor, cooked a cleaning toilets, saved money, Started a little cafe when he was in his 40s, ran that until his 80s, bought the property there and the property next door and, of course, our own home. So my dad retired fairly comfortable. Now, nobody could have had a hand dealt as bad as my dad did. And my dad would not allow my brothers and me to mope about how hard things were. He always told my brothers and me, hard work wins. Mm. You get out of life what you put into it. You can't control the outcome. But damn it, you are 100% in control of the effort. And before you complain about what somebody did to you or said to you, go to the nearest mirror and ask yourself, what could I have done to change the outcome? And the mm. final thing he told my brothers and me was this. No matter how hard you work, how good you are, sooner or later, bad crap will happen. How you deal with that bad crap will tell your mom and me if we raised a man. And that's my mantra. That's how I am. That's who I am. Uh, and that's where I got my drive and energy and confidence and belief in myself. Well, we were talking to Larry Elder. The, the movie is Uncle Tom, an oral history of the American black conservative. If you watch it, you can download it. I've seen chunks. I'll watch the whole thing this weekend with my wife. Larry, the problem is you just, you just uh, you know, portrayed your dad in a really wonderful way. But w those things, those tenets your dad said, those are not taught in academia at all. You're taught in colleges, you know, just the level of your victimhood and how the the system is rigged. And so is there any escaping this culturally from this this mind pollution culturally? People have to wake up and the only way they can wake up is for people like you and me to tell the truth and do so unreservedly and without fear. Uh, and that's easier said than done. Look, all these people out, these young people out there are protesting uh, alleged police brutality. I believe that most of them are sincere. The facts just don't support the assertion. If you look at a study done by a black Harvard economist named Rowling Fryer, uh, and he did the study because he just knew that blacks were being uh, disproportionately victims of deadly force by cops. He just knew it. And he was surprised that nobody had done a, a study to, to corroborate that. So he, so he did it. Isn't it and, he, and he came back and he said, this is the most astounding result of my professional career. 
not only were the police not disproportionately using deadly force against black people, they were more hesitant, more reluctant yeah. to pull the trigger on a black person than on a white person. And there was another study, broader one, looked at every police shooting in 2015, every one in 2016. It was published in a publication put out by the National Academy of Sciences, found the same thing, no evidence whatsoever. And Tom, it's not like the government has not been concerned about this issue. Since the mid-90s, every three years, they do something called the Police Public Contact Survey, the DOJ does. And they asked 60,000 Americans, did you have a contact with the police last year? If the answer is yes, then there's a series of questions that follow. What, was, what happened? What did, they, what did he or she say? How were you treated? Were you physically harmed? They can't find any pattern of abuse whatsoever. It's just not there. And it's one thing just to believe something stupid, but this has unintended consequences. Notably, cops pull back because they fear being called racist. The bad guys know that crime goes up. And the very same people that the Black Lives Matter folks claim they care about are hurt. The second thing that happens is you're a young black man and you've been taught by your so-called leaders that if you get pulled over by a cop, that cop is going to harass you, if not harm you. Why shouldn't your dukes be up? Why shouldn't you be more anxious? Hmm. And therefore, you make a, 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 a normal traffic stop turn into something far more confrontational. Virtually every one of these uh, persons who died at the hands of the police, Tom, would be alive if they simply cooperated. Why can't the so-called black leaders say, follow their instructions? Do what my dad told me. If you're, if you're pulled over and you're driving, make sure your left hand's at two, 10 o'clock, your right hand's at 2 o'clock. Say yes, sir. Say no, sir. Make sure your paperwork is in order. And if you feel you're mistreated, get a badge or a name and deal with it while you're alive. Why aren't people telling people this? I, I, I don't know why. Is it because there's a, it, the, the race business is a big business? Uh, there, there's that. Uh, that's a whole nother ball game. But the primary reason it's not happening, not taking place, is because the father's not in the home. As you know, black kids are more likely to drown because of white kids. Several years ago, there's a big discussion about this, and somebody called my show and said, "Well, that's because black people have a fear of water because of slavery." Because honestly, uh. every one of my black was growing up to swim. We all had fathers. Our fathers all taught us how to swim. The fathers aren't there. The mothers have expensive hair, uh, hair, hairstyles. They don't want to get their hair wet. They don't know how to swim either. So the boys don't know how to swim. That's why. <laughs> Man, I would never say those words, Larry. I'd be <laughs> scared to death too. But I'm glad that you do. Hey, um, so, so here's the thing. All this information is out there. You mentioned the study, Roland Fryer, and all this, uh, and all these other facts, etc. It's out there for everybody to see. Meanwhile, four towns down the road from me here in Massachusetts, a town mayor is demanding a police investigation because somebody wrote on a display sign, "All Lives Matter," and the police now are investigating. <laughs> and a town wants to string the person up, whoever did it. And these are this is a middle class white town, you know, where everybody has Black Lives Matter. Um, yard signs, but no black people live anywhere near there. Um, and they they consider themselves very good people. Why wouldn't they look at this information you have and rethink? I mean, is this is this mass intimidation? Well, Tom, whoever said that compound interest is the greatest force in the universe never encountered white guilt. That's what this <laughs> is. And uh, Jason Riley of the Wall Street Journal wrote a book called Please Stop Helping Us where he was simply suggesting, we get it. We know white people feel guilty about slavery and Jim Crow. We know you're empathetic. We know you're not racist. Don't pass policies that hurt us, like the welfare state, like a lack of choice in schools, like jacking up the minimum wage, like taxing yeah. people who create jobs. 
These things hurt black people. You do them with the best of intentions, but they're hurting us. Affirmative action, especially because it causes black people to drop out from a school that they're far less able to compete with than they would have been had they not been affirmative actioned into a higher school. So you're helping us the wrong way. Please stop helping us. If there were a vaccine for white, white guilt, I think that, that might be more effective than a vaccine for the coronavirus. <laughs> well, the great thing is on the, on the town Facebook page, they were talking about that we should all call a, a black friend if you have one, call them and make sure they're okay. And I thought, man, that would be terrible to be a black person to have to have 30 <laughs> phone calls from the guilty white people just trying to cleanse their souls or something. Well, some years ago, I was trying to de develop an app for people who have parties and they want some diversity and they don't have any diversity. It's called Phonebro. And you can, <laughs> you can have some black guys show up. Uh, not, too, not too surprisingly, it didn't really get off the ground. Oh, geez, you should do that now. Now's the time for that. You make a mint Now's on the it. time, yeah. I, I could probably raise some money to do it now. <laughs> so before I let you go, there's a line in in the Uncle Tom movie. Uncle Tom, it's an oral history of the American black conservative and a young man says this, and I don't know who said it. He says, our blood is on this soil. We own this yeah. too. And I thought that was just right. beautiful. And like just taking ownership um, of your own piece in this country's history, the greatest country on earth. And and just the power of those words just blew me away, uh, Larry. Yeah, and that was Kingface. He's a rapper. And I love the way he said it so calmly. Mm. Um, and he's absolutely right. As you know, the first blood in the Revolutionary War is a black man, Christmas Addicts. Yeah. We have shed blood in every single war, including the Civil War, both sides, by the way. Uh, and we own this country, too. Uh, we are Americans. That's why I'm so offended by this African-American thing that's been going on now for several years. I've never referred to myself as an African-American. My mother and father never referred to themselves as an African-American. We are Americans. We are black. Yes. But we are Americans. Americans first. And I had a interview once with an L.A. Times uh, writer, editor, and I asked him why he uses the term African-American. He said, well, you know, to show respect. Blah, blah. I said, where are you from? He said, I'm from here. I said, where are your parents from? He said, they're from here. I said, where are their parents' parents from? He said, they're from Russia. Okay. I said, okay, why aren't you a Russian-American? Well, blah, blah, blah. I said, my people have been here longer than your people. Why do I have a height in you and you do not? He didn't have a really good answer. Oh, that is great. Uh, Larry Elder, thank you so much. The movie is called Uncle Tom, an oral history of the American Black Conservative. Just go to LarryElder.com, and you can you can check out uh, his video, the radio. Actually, okay. easier to go to UncleTom.com. Okay. Just go to UncleTom.com. Go to UncleTom.com, and that's where you can get your hands on the movie. There's so many talented people in it. I cannot wait for this weekend. Larry Elder, thank you so much for your time. It is my pleasure, Tom. Anytime. Hey, thank you all so much again. I appreciate you tuning in and subscribing and just got a lot of great feedback from you. I really appreciate it. The numbers are, are good. I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled to be reaching so many of you. Feel free to give me any uh, advice or, or um, you know, feedback you want and uh, have a great day today. Say la Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.